Blog Talk Radio. Behind everything that is great, there is a great mind, a mastermind. Get ready for the Fantasy Football Mastermind Ed. The definitive fantasy football information show. Your host, fantasy football mastermind, Michael Mazurak, has more than two decades of fantasy football experience, comprehensive fantasy football information, strategy, and trading advice, fantasy picks to click and flick, the latest NFL news, and much, much more. Each week during the fantasy football season on Blog Talk Radio. Remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. Here's your host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge, Michael Nazarak. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is August 18th of 2020. My name is Michael Nazarak. I am host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge podcast. Fantasy Football Mastermind can be found online at ffmastermind.com. And with me, hopefully, because we got off to a little bit of a late start <laughs> due to technical difficulties, my good friend and co-host, Chris Rito. Are you there, Chris? I'm not hearing you. What about okay, now? Okay, well, Chris, you're all there. There you go. Now you're there. <laughs> I, say, I was just so saying, a little I bit of I mix up. Start, I was going to start the show on my own. I thought I wasn't going to hear your voice today, but now that it, then it turns out you couldn't hear mine. So let's get this thing figured out and get on the roll here. <laughs> okay, let's get let's get right to it. Uh, normally, we would be talking about the first preseason games and how everybody's how certain players are flashing and such. We've got a lot of injuries and padded practices have started, but unfortunately, there's no preseason to talk about. But there's still lots of good stuff to, to get into. So let's get right into this. Um, first of all, let's, let's take a look at the quarterback position and, and around the league. Uh, looks like uh, Big Ben Roethlisberger, of course, is coming back from having uh, several tendons torn off his elbow, off the bone. Uh, he, he's healthy. He's getting out there and he's practicing and all. But it's interesting that apparently on some of the deeper deeper passes, uh, he's short-arming the ball, more like a la Phillip Rivers. Uh, there's a little bit of concern there. Uh, media noticed it and all. We don't know if this is going to be an ongoing thing or if he's just loosening up his arm or whatnot. But, uh, Chris, what do you think about Big Ben? It, 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 does this worry you at this point, or do you think that this is just so early in camp that, that uh, hopefully it'll, 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 it'll get over the issue? Uh, maybe a little bit of both. I think it is early. I, I think it is too soon to make any conclusions, but this is the kind of thing I have been worried about with Big Ben. I mean, that was a major reconstructive elbow surgery. Uh, probably the, the closest thing would be the, the football equivalent of a Tommy John surgery, and that is a lot to expect the deep throws to come back, especially to come back quickly. So I would absolutely be concerned, especially because he has receivers who are fast as opposed to Phillip Rivers, who could get by with short arming because he had guys that were big. He could throw it up for grabs and they get 50-50 jump balls as opposed to the guys just out running them and you have to throw it out in front of them. So this is a concern. Uh, it is some, a reason I have Big Ben a little lower on my draft board than people do. Um, and if this continues, I would say this is a real cause for concern that may not even make him uh, worthy of, uh, of, a, of a high number two ranking if, if that continues. Wow. 
Wow. Uh, yeah, we we were just uh, looking at him uh, to, to pair with him with uh, uh, Matthew Stafford in the in the Fanex uh, draft. He went a little bit before our pick. We ended up with Jared Goff, uh, which is which is fine with with us, uh, you know. And maybe we dodged a bullet there. We'll see what happens there. Uh, moving on over to the running back position, uh, uh, Chris Carson over in Seattle. He'd been uh, attending to a personal matter uh, with his family and had not reported to camp. Well, the good news is that he, he got back in time to actually participate in the first uh, padded practice yesterday. Uh, so he, he's good there. They need him because of Rashard Penny is still in the pup list with that, uh, coming off that torn ACL and MCL. Looks like he might not play the first six games of the season. So everything is well in Seattle for there. Uh, moving on over to Detroit, interesting uh, – Kerryon Johnson, you know, coming off that knee injury, he was photographed wearing a knee brace on that uh, on that right knee, and as a result, the Lions signed Jonathan Williams, the former Colt, to provide some depth in depth in the backfield uh, behind uh, Kerryon Johnson and, and Dondre Swift. Uh, what is what do you make of this, Chris? Uh, fantasy impact? Uh, people should be worried about Kerryon Johnson. I think they should be. I've got a lot of family and friends up in Detroit, and they were telling me that some of them had been watching practice, and not only was he wearing a knee brace, but he was he had been moving with a decided limp even before the padded practices started. So it is a concern I have with carry on Johnson. I know he's still being drafted right up there, right near Deandre Swift. A lot of people are assuming there's going to be a timeshare there. If he is still working with the limp there, I I'd be really concerned if I'm a carry on Johnson owner and really pleased if I'm a Deandre Swift owner. Um, I will say that Jonathan Williams, and I know you and I talked about this earlier. He's a very similar back to carry on Johnson in running style, not as quick, but uh, definitely stronger and bigger. So I, I really think if Johnson can't give it what they need, Jonathan Williams could slip right in and maybe not have a 50-50 share like a lot of people are thinking Carry on Johnson could, but he could definitely cut into DeAndre Swift's uh, touches, uh, especially on early downs. Okay. Well, moving on over to uh, your uh, part of the country, Indianapolis. Uh, a lot of people are wondering if T.Y. Hilton is going to stay healthy, if he looks good or whatnot in practice. And the good news, first of all, he was activated from the NFI list with that uh, little bit of a hamstring issue. So he's not been showing any kind of uh, uh, any kind of thing from that uh, uh, issue in, in, uh, in practices. And uh, but he has been looking good with uh, Phil Rivers. Phil Rivers been connecting with him. Uh, uh, they've been anticipating uh, uh, certain uh, uh, route running techniques uh, that Hilton needs to get to a certain spot when Rivers expects him to be there. And early on, uh, in, early in these practices, that's exactly what's happening. It looks like it. They're well on their way. Frank Wright has been very pleased with that. Uh, fantasy impact here, Chris. Do you move T.Y. Hilton maybe back up your list a little bit since he's starting to look uh, pretty good with Rivers, or, or do you keep him down a little bit because of his injury history? What, what's, what, how do you feel about T.Y.? Um, I, I didn't have him that high anyway. I think I had him uh, as a low number two just because I'm, I'm concerned more about the offense, quite frankly, than I am about T.Y. Hilton or, or, or Phillip Rivers. I think it's going to be a run-heavy offense, so there's not going to be as many balls in the air. And I think the defense is better, too. Uh, it's far better, and they've got a good schedule, so they won't be playing from behind. So Hilton may not get as many opportunities. He's looked great. I have no no concerns about him at this point. Um, clearly, he's had an, a soft tissue injury history the last few years. He's getting a little up there in age for a speed-based receiver. But as you were just saying, he is a, a very good technician of his craft, and he and Rivers, who's also a very uh, uh, cerebral quarterback, seem to be on the same page, and that is huge. So I think whatever you downgrade him for the injury concerns or the age or, or, or maybe the offensive style, you can move him back up because he's definitely in sync and, and with the new quarterback uh, who's also familiar with the offense. So I, he's kind of holding steady at around my, 
I want to say he's around wide receiver number 18, 17. On my, he's in my top 20. Well, that's exactly where he is on mine, and I did a little bit more research on this. And ADP from MyFantasyLead.com, believe it or not, has, and this is in recent PPR drafts, uh, that uh, T.Y. Hilton is going as a 32 wide receiver off the board. Yeah, and I looked low. at a couple of our. Yeah, that's low. And I looked at also a couple of our competitors, who I won't name. Uh, their rankings are out, out there for everyone to see. And uh, one's got them at 26, one got them at 24, and one got them at 29. So uh, I guess the thing here is that people, you don't have to, if you like Hilton like we do, uh, because we think he's going to have a pretty good year if he can stay healthy, that you don't have to take him when maybe the cheat sheet says to take him because his ADP is if it's that low, then you can wait two or three or four extra rounds, probably two or three, and and he'll slide too because people, most people are avoiding him. They're going to see these low rankings and low ADP and go, well, I can wait until, you know, my number three or number, number well, my number four wide receiver and, and, and see if I can grab him there. And you can kind of sneak him in maybe as a three and maybe get production as a two out of him. So that's how, that's how you look. So don't, don't look at us and say, well, you got him ranked too high. That just tells you that what we like about him, that if he stays healthy, he should have a pretty good year here and that you can wait maybe a little bit longer. You take other things into consideration, including ADP, to uh, to form to form your team as you're drafting him. So anyway, one final I've note him, here before I've got we... him in two different leagues. I've got him in two different leagues. I drafted him as my number three, but I think I'm going to get number two quality points out of him, like you were just saying. Yep, that, that's right. He, we got him in Fanex. Yep, as our number three. So we yep, hopefully we'll get two out of him. That's that's the whole point here. Uh, before I get to the the short, uh, fairly short injury list here, uh, we want to make a note, a kicker note here. The Giants released Chandler Catanzaro and signed uh, former Panther uh, Graham Gano. Why why Gano? Because uh, David Gettleman, the uh, the Giants GM, is the former Panther GM, so he's very familiar with Gano. And if Gano is healthy, he's probably a much better kicker than uh, than Chandler Catanzaro. So make those uh, that adjustment on your on your cheat sheet for the kicker. We, we've already done that at Mastermind here. Anyway. Let's get to the injuries and notes. Um, kind of a feel-good story. Alex Smith coming off that horrendous leg injury, broke his leg, almost lost it. He had like 17 surgeries. Uh, well, guess what? They evacuated him from the pup list. Uh, it was on, on it, barely, barely on it. He's practicing with the team. They're taking him easy and all. But, you know, the Redskins – well, I'm sorry, Washington, not the Redskins anymore. <laughs> Washington is saying that uh, he, he could compete to start with Dwayne Haskins, so that's kind of a feel-good story. It's just something to keep your eye on because if he can actually get on the field and play, then actually I think that that raises the value of Terry McClellan and everybody else, Stephen Smith, Sims, the other guys on, on the crew there. Moving over to running back, Nick Chubb did suffer a concussion a couple of days ago. They thought he took a big hit there. They, he was in the concussion protocol. Uh, we still got three and a half weeks uh, or so until the start of the season, so he should be good to go. We'll just keep an eye on it there. Over in New England, something to note, Sonny Michelle with a foot still in the pup, not guaranteed to play week one, and Lamar Miller with the knee, they signed him. He immediately went on the, on the pup. Damian Harris is the guy that's seeing most of the, uh, of the early carries in practices and when they do scrimmages and such over there in New England. So uh, we've already moved him up our chart last week. Uh, our, our rankings and all, and he might make another jump here if this continues here over the next couple of weeks. Because, uh, like I said, Sony Michelle's not guaranteed to play start uh, start of the season. Um, moving on over to wide receiver Dondre Hopkins with a hamstring, tight hamstring. He's sitting out practice. There's kind of talk. Well, is he sitting in, waiting for a new deal? Uh, we're not sure on that, but you know, we're just keeping an eye on him to see if he's going to practice soon. 
Over in Cincinnati, A.J. Green with a hamstring, tweaked his hamstring during practice. He's sitting – a lot of these soft tissue injuries are expected because they go from zero to 100 at camp, and there's no OTI, so the body's not used to this type of pressure in terms of making these cuts. And the only good news is that there's still three and a half weeks or almost four weeks until the season starts, so we've got time for these players to recover. Debo Samuel, unfortunately, is probably not going to be one of those guys that's going to start week one. He's still on the NFI list with the foot injury. They're, they're hoping he could be ready for week one, but most likely not. I think he's going to miss at least a few games. We'll see. Uh, Kenny Stills in Houston was activated from the NFI list. He had an illness, but it wasn't COVID, and uh, he's, he's, he's good to go. He's practicing with the team. Corey Davis with a toe in Tennessee was activated from the pup list, and T. Higgins with a hamstring injury, just like uh, teammate A.J. Green. He's sidelined. He's working off to the side. It doesn't look like to be a major issue issue there. T.J. Hawkinson uh, angle, his, it's still not 100% in Detroit, so be careful. You draft him there. Probably take him as a two rather than a one. We want to see, you know, make sure he's 100% there before you, you really put that kind of investment into him. And unfortunately, d- defensive tackle Gerald McCoy, just signed with the Cowboys. He, uh, he ruptured his quad, and he's lost for the season. What's interesting about that is that the Cowboys knew about a pre-existing condition on that quad, and they put it in his contract that if he tore it or ruptured it is out for any kind of period of time or whatever, they could cut him and not hold him any guaranteed money on his salary. Well, don't be uh, sorry for Gerald McCoy, though, because he got his $3 million signing bonus, and that doesn't go anywhere. It sticks with him. So he's cut. He's gone for the year. He's not a Cowboy anymore, but he's $3 million richer, and I wish I was in his position. <laughs> anyway, moving to the NFL, moving to the NFL COVID nineteen list. There's no big names left on it. Nobody really worth mentioning. There's down to twelve players out of more than three thousand in the league. So the, the NFL has been doing a very good job of limiting this right now. And as the names come off, it seems that the list is getting smaller and smaller. And hopefully, there won't be anybody on it by the time the season starts. But we shall see. And we'll be right back after this important message. You know you want to dominate your fantasy football league. Manage your teams with the assistance of the premier fantasy football information source, Fantasy Football Mastermind. Found on the web at ffmastermind.com, there's plenty of good free stuff, and the premium content will consistently give your teams the best chance to go all the way. President and CEO Michael Nazarek has 20 years' experience and just completed his fourth consecutive year as SI's expert league Super Bowl champ. Go to ffmastermind.com and check out their volumes of fantasy content, updated daily, which will give you the edge you need to legitimately claim redrafter, dynasty, keeper, auction, salary cap, IDP. They cover them all with the best content available anywhere. Go now to ffmastermind.com. The longer you wait, the more great information you'll be missing. Okay, before I uh, talk about what we've been doing on our site, I want to uh, do a shout-out for the uh, for the FFPC. That's myffpc.com, Fantasy Football's Purse Championship. It's the only high-stake league I play in. I've got two teams in the main event. You can join for $1,900 and have a chance to win $500,000. I've won over 30000 in this event in the last six years. Uh, I've finished 15th overall back in 2014 with OBJ uh, on my team. So, uh, you know, they, they pay out on time. They're really good guys. And best of all, they've got leagues that start as little as 35 bucks. So if you don't want to play the high-stakes event, you can play the $35, the $77, the $150, the $250, the $500, and all the way up. Uh, really good guys. Check them out. In addition, I uh, just taped a special uh, Power Hour interview on their uh, high Stakes Power Hour podcast. We were going to go live last Friday at technical difficulties. I got on the phone with Eric Balkman, who was their co-host there last night, and did a 40-minute interview 
where I offered a little bit of a discount code on some of our premium products. So you guys definitely want to check out the bonus episode of the High Stakes Power Hour. It's going to come out here probably Wednesday night or Thursday morning. I'll tweet it on my Twitter FF Mastermind with a link so you can listen to the interview, check everything out. And if you're interested in buying our products at a discount, a pretty significant discount too, you can check out that in order to get the discount code. Uh, getting back to our site, of course, it's ffmastermind.com. And we're, it's like a roaring freight train. We're going right down towards the station, and, and we're three and a half weeks away. We've got a lot of good stuff on there, including free NFL quick bits on a daily basis. Uh, we're, of course, keeping track of all the free agent movement and, and, and such, the free, uh, free eye in the sky scan reports, including uh, reports from Chris Rito on the Indianapolis Colts. We're uh, updating our master's list, MCP board, and executive draft master on a weekly basis. We're going to go twice a week starting next week. Version 3 of our preseason draft guide has been released last Friday with 22 articles, including uh, four or five new articles from Chris. Uh, it's 452 pages, and uh, Chris Rito here has produced several articles all COVID-related, about being a commissioner during COVID, being a player, and, and also tricks of the trade. There's really good articles for people to check out our guide with. The price of the guide is $19.95. We're also going to be releasing the second set of our perfect drafts covering 12 team leagues. We've already got 10 team leagues on there last week. And our premium rates are Pro Bowl package, which is the guide, plus the weekly newsletters, $49.95. Super Bowl package, $59.95. That should get you everything. If you listen to an interview at the High Stakes Power Hour, you'll list, there's a special code there for one of these packages, and you can use that in order to get a discount to try us out. Or even if you're a returning member. Last year, we limited only to brand-new subscribers. This year, everyone, anyone that's interested can use that code, including if you've been with us for 20 years and you're thinking about coming back, but you're not quite sure there will be a football season Hopefully it'll be a whole length, 16, 17 weeks. We'll see. And, of course, follow me on Twitter, at FFMastermind. This is the wide receiver show, so let's get to the top ten wide receivers in PPR leagues. Chris, who are your top three and why? Well, I'll start with Michael Thomas. I'm not sure how you can put any other guy up here in a PPR after he set the NFL record for reception. I mean, even in a PPR, you can make an argument for him cracking the top four overall selections. And when you realize he did this with Drew Brees missing a handful of games and a top receiving running back, that's, that's pretty amazing. The guy's averaged 125 catches a year for his career. So you'd like to see him crack double-digit touchdowns. That's probably the only thing keeping him from taking residence in that draft territory that A.B. patrolled on draft boards for several years, right up at the top. Uh, my number two is Devontae Adams. Like most people, he was on a target pace just like Michael Thomas last year when he missed a quarter of the season. So don't assume his poor overall stats last year were anything, any kind of a drop-off. He's the only receiving game in town again this year for Green Bay. And barring another injury, is as solid a wide receiver one you could hope for. He's a lock for getting double-digit targets every week and a strong TD score, which makes the gap between him and Thomas smaller than one might think. And then number three, I've got Tyreek Hill. I mean, he's just too explosive and too good of an offense to rank any lower. Yeah, he gets a lot less targets and receptions than the other two guys. But the fact that every catch could be a 70-yard score makes him a surprisingly efficient fantasy scorer. Um, despite being outside the top 12 to 15 in targets and receptions, he finished in the top five the last two seasons in fantasy points per game, yards, and touchdowns. So if he just gets a little uptick in targets, he could be the wide receiver number one overall. So he has more upside than most other top-end wide receivers. Might be a little volatile week-to-week as compared to the heavy reception guys, though. Okay, my top five are as follows. Number one, Michael Thomas. I mean, the guy that averages almost eight catches a game 
what's not to like there, especially in a PPR format. Uh, you know, over 1,500 yards, even if he scores only eight times, it still puts him number one. Devontae Adams, I think he's going to double-digit score, one of the few that's going to be this year. Over, probably catch over 100 if he can stay healthy. That puts him number two, a little bit less yardage than Michael Thomas. That's why he's number two. And number three, I've got Julio Jones. I think he's going to catch 100 catches, um, 100 passes, and uh, 1,400 yards, even if he only scores seven times. That puts him in number three in my book. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, number four. Um, you know, there's questions about, you know, he's going to a new team. Uh, is he, you know, is he going to rebound a little bit from last year? I mean, he was so dominant two years ago. I think he's going to catch close to 100 yards here. And even if he only produces about 1,250 yards, eight scores with 100 catches, that puts him number four in my book. And number five, Tyreek Hill, for many of the reasons that you said, only reason why he's number five is he just doesn't catch as many passes as the other guys, probably less than 90 catches. But still, he can have those huge, long uh, scores. And if you're in a bonus uh, in, a, in a league with bonus scoring for distance scoring, then uh, then, then Hill's probably ranked high, should be higher, probably number three uh, in, in my book for that uh, reason. Who are your number four and number five guys, Chris? Uh, number four in the PPR, I've got Julio Jones. The main concern is health at his age. Uh, Jones has a history of missing chunks of games with lower body ailments, but he rarely misses games, so that's good. He's averaged 100 catches for the last six years, and he's always been over 1,400 yards, so his PPR numbers are predictably stellar. Amazingly, he's got a career high of only 10 touchdowns in a season, and he usually has about six a year. So he probably has the highest weekly floor of any stud receiver, but may have a relatively lower ceiling without the touchdowns. And then number five, just a tick behind him because of the volume, is Kenny Galladay for me. He's a scary deep threat and a leaping red zone target, and I believe he is on the cusp of just breaking out this year. And I think he'd be challenging for an even higher ranking had Stafford not got injured last year. He led the NFL in touchdowns last year, despite a carousel of crappy quarterback play in the second half of the year. And he was on a blistering pace through eight games with Stafford. This year should be a step up in targets and receptions and will cement Kenny G as a high-end number one. Uh, I think he's a solid number one in his prime, especially in, in non-PPR leagues, uh, even without that vector continuing to rise. And let's not rule out he's in a contract here looking for an extension. That can't hurt. That's right. Okay, uh, my number six, uh, I've got Mike Evans here. And uh, some people think that maybe Chris Godwin uh, should be here because he's a little bit more fits the mold of Julian Edelman and all. But I remember Tom Brady, uh, you know, had a guy named Randy Moss who was a big, lanky guy, a fast guy. And um, so I think Mike Evans is going to do just fine here. The veteran receiver, I think, is going to catch a few more passes uh, than he normally does if he can stay healthy. Uh, the difference basically might be one touchdown <laughs> over Evans, over Godwin. And, and in between those guys, I've got Evans at six and, and Godwin at eight. And in between those guys, I've, I've got Kenny Galladay sandwiched there at seven. And what you say, that's, that's the issue. He's probably going to score more, maybe catch in terms of yards about the same than the, the two Buck guys. I've just got him catching less passes and a PPR it makes a little bit of a difference. Uh, but Safford was on such a tear last year. If he if he uh, continues on and plays that well this year, and Galladay uh, does have a shot here, if he catches 90 passes, he could be a top-five wide receiver uh, in 2020. Anyway, you can't go wrong with any of these three guys, Evans, Galladay, and Godwin, uh, six, seven, and eight for me. How about uh, the rest of your top ten, uh, Chris? Yeah, I've got Mike Evans at six, too. I agree with what you're saying. I think a lot of attention is going to Godwin's breakout season, but that was partially plied by just the ridiculous volume that Winston's turnovers was causing last year. Evans, on the other hand, has always retained that volume, regardless of the QB, regardless of the situation. I've got to believe the switch to Brady and solid Bucks defense will reduce the passing volume in 2020, but that Evans won't lose targets from the veteran Brady. 
And in fact, go back and look in games when both of them played, Evans outpaced Godwin for fantasy, and I think that's more the reality. I think he's a lock for 1,100 and close to 10 touchdowns no matter what. So I got him at a solid six. I've actually got Cooper Cup at number seven. He's kind of under the radar uh, as a wide receiver num- number one can be. His ADP is in the late fourth as wide receiver 13 to 18, depending on where you look. But he's top seven to 10 in every statistical receiving category and has shown himself to be a touchdown machine. He was quietly number two in the NFL in receiving touchdowns last year with 10, and he was on pace for 12 the year before when he lost eight games to an ACL. The guy's a flat-out scorer and a high-volume target, and with 121 targets leaving town from Gurley and Cooks, the chances of a reduction in volume are pretty slim. Um, I got DeAndre Hopkins, number eight. The guy's just too good to rank any lower. I do have some concerns going to a new team. Not so much that he is moving, but because of the team he's moving to. They've got other options there as well, and Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald. Um, and he certainly can't possibly be the target hog he was in Houston. I think the volume that drove his PPR value is going to come down some. So he's going to be good and maybe even up his touchdown percentage, and he'll have a huge impact on the offense, but I'm not sure he's going to translate to a top five PPR finish like he always has had. Um, I've got Adam Thielen, number nine, back-to-back 90-catch, 1,300-yard, 150-ish target seasons until last year when he struggled through an injury-marred year. I believe that that the injury won't happen again. I'm hopeful and that he will return to something closer to his 17 and 18 seasons. Um, there's nearly 100 targets for Stephon Diggs to replace. At least some are going to go to Thielen as the undisputed top target there. And the rookie uh, top pick, uh, Jefferson, should garner at least defensive attention but not likely be a target hog. So I think Thielen's going to re- really rebound this year into the top 10. And then number 10, I've got Godwin. I, d- I don't believe he's going to repeat his statistical season from last year, but he did show enough to merit attention from a veteran quarterback like Brady. Um, he will operate out of the slot, like you mentioned, a position which Brady has obviously used, but Godwin's a really different kind of receiver than Welko or Edelman is. My guess is that others will rate Godwin higher than me, so I probably won't get him in 2020 because I've slid him to the back of my top ten. Okay. Uh, well, my number nine is Amari Cooper, uh, for many of the reasons that you mentioned there. Uh, I still think he's going to catch 80, 80 balls, 1,200 yards, eight scores, and that puts him in my top ten, even though they've got uh, C.D. Lamb, uh, such a talent coming out of uh, college, along with Michael uh, Gallup there. Uh, there's no more Jason Witten. I know Blake Jarwin's kind of underrated, but uh, I think uh, there's, there's enough room for Cooper to maintain a top ten status in my book in that offense this year. And number ten is Cooper Cup. I think he's. Uh, I think a lot of people uh, maybe discount the fact that he kind of disappeared a few games there late last year, and all the fuss was over Tyler Higby and all. But now there's no more Brandon Cooks there, and I know Josh Reynolds has stepped up into the number three role, looking good early in camp. But uh, Cup is is pretty much the guy there still. Uh, he doesn't get the looks on third down that Robert Woods does, but he can take those short balls and run 70 yards for score. Uh, so I like him to catch almost 90 passes, uh, about 1,100 yards and nine scores, and that. Puts him in number 10 on my book. I'll just mention uh, Adam Thielen is right behind him at number 11, so it's not like I don't like Adam Thielen this year. But anyway, let's get uh, – that's the top 10 for us. Let's uh, talk about a couple of underrated and uh, overrated guys. So, Chris, underrated first. Give me a couple of wide receivers that you think are underrated for fantasy this year. Well, I'll start with Jarvis Landry. He's averaging 1,100 yards and 95 catches for the last five years. Never been under 84 catches as a six-year pro. Better in every statistical category than OBJ, but going four rounds later than him as a wide receiver three or a high four in every draft I've seen. What does this guy got to do to get some respect? He is a great consolation prize if you wait on a starting receiver or a great depth gambit to get a perennial top 20 PPR receiver at a cheap price. Another guy I think is underrated is Brandon Cook. 
Okay, I'm going to give you the entire list of wideouts who have finished inside the top 12 at the position four times in the last five years. Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, Brandon Cooks. And he's done it with three different teams in, on three consecutive years in that case. He's going to a high-powered offense as the primary threat without a challenge for targets. Um, a significant challenge for targets. He's been a far more efficient fantasy scorer than DeAndre Hopkins. He just hasn't had the volume. So I think you can get him as a wide receiver four who has at least number two potential and in some weeks, number one potential. He's vastly underrated in fantasy drafts. Is he a top 10? No, but he's way better than where, what his draft position says. Okay. A couple of sleepers that I like uh, this, this, this week, uh, this year, uh, I see you like Brandon cooks. I like his teammate Will Fuller, and of course, there's always the injury history that's going on there. But he's got such a connection with the, with Deshaun Watson. Uh, he's healthy right now. Uh, he's going to be featured in an offense. Uh, he's going to get more targets with uh, Hopkins gone, and and just getting his his feet wet there in in uh, Houston. And uh, Kenny Stills, come on. Okay, so the fact is, is just like you say with Cooks, you can get uh, Fuller as a four and possibly get uh, three. Well, you should get three uh, production out of it if he stays healthy, maybe even two, but that might be pushing it. But another receiver I like this year is Jameson Crowder. He's just not getting any respect. He's clearly the number one receiver for the Jets. Sam Darnold loves him. Uh, he's a target hog, uh, you know, as, as long as he stays healthy along with uh, with Darnold this year then I think Crowder is going to outproduce his low ADP ranking there. How about a couple of overrated guys this uh, year, uh, Chris? Who do, you, who do you not think is uh, deserving of all the press? Uh, Marquise Brown. I, I know he's being drafted on average as a wide receiver number three, but I'm still wondering if that's still too high. He's on a run, run, run offense. And on that kind of offense, a diminutive wide receiver is not the guy I would think would be a great value. He also supposedly put on 30 pounds, which is a lot for a speed guy that only weighed about a buck fifty-seven. So I worry about that impacting his prime asset. You know, they're not going to throw it to him in the red zone because he's not big. They got tight end Andrews. Um, I think there's going to be a regression in passing touchdowns. They can't possibly throw 36 touchdowns to lead the league again on that offense. I can't see more than about a 60 to 60 catch, 700 yard season for Brown, which is not an every week starter. He's just a nice best ball play. And then a guy I think is overrated in a fantasy sense is Amari Cooper. Is he a great, great wide receiver? Absolutely. Solid fantasy guy? Absolutely. Is he a clear number one for fantasy? I don't think so. Gallup performed equal to him last year with greater consistency and indeed far outplayed him for fantasy over the last seven weeks. I consider them both strong or solid number twos, but Cooper's being drafted as a number one while Gallup has been going three to five rounds later as a three or four. And if you think CeeDee Lamb is the star of the future, you've got to wonder if there's enough balls in the air in Dallas to still make Cooper merit his draft position. The value isn't there for return on investment, although I love the guy as an NFL player. Okay. Well, this is where we have a, a little bit of an agreement, a disagreement. Uh, overrated, I guess I would put Brandon Cooks in that category uh, simply because uh, he's been traded so many times, I know. But, and he does produce for the most part. Last year, he just had a really bad year. I know he got uh, dinged, concussion, missed a couple of games. Just it wasn't connecting very well with golf. Uh, you know, and now he's on a new team with Deshaun Watson. He stepped in. I don't know if he can fill those, the bill. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, different type of receiver, more polished route running. Uh, Brandon Cooks, uh, more the deep guy, speed guy, uh, a lot of drop passes, uh, especially last year in, in L.A. I've got to question that, and, and the fact is, is that uh, if it comes to me between Brandon Cooks and, and Will Fuller, I'd probably put my trust more in Will Fuller than Cooks at this point, but we shall see. Another guy uh, that a lot of people are thinking uh, might actually uh, ascend this year is John Ross in Cincinnati, but I think uh, two words, T. Higgins. 
Uh, the rookie, uh, you know, if he gets over this hamstring injury and makes a big impression, I think he's going to push John Ross right off, possibly right off to the bench. And I guess what's most important is that our, our thoughts are with John because he's, he's, he's left the team. He's in a family situation. We're not sure what's going on there. When is, is he going to come back? I don't know. I've seen a lot of people take a chance on Ross laying your draft, but, I mean, there's a whole bunch of rookies out there, Denzel Mims, uh, T. Higgins, of course, uh, uh, Justin Jackson. Uh, there's there's so many other wide receivers that I would take a chance on than than John Ross. He's also got injury history. History. Oh, he sees that after he has a couple of big games, he gets injured and then he doesn't play for for weeks and months. So uh, that's one guy that's basically off my list for for right now. Anyway, we want to thank everybody for joining us. Um, for Chris Rito, this is Michael Nazarek. I'll see you. We'll see you next week when the tight end position from a fantasy perspective is previewed. Good night and good luck to everybody drafting this week. You've been listening to the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge with your host, Michael Nazarek, the definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Join us next time on Blog Talk Radio. Until then, remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second.